This is React Podcast. I'm Chantastic. Today, we kick off our first of six React Conf interviews. We start with Andrew Clark to learn what this React Conf 2019 means for us, our libraries, and our apps. He's a core team member who cut his React teeth on the Fiber rewrite, and he's been deep in concurrent React for three years. We chat about future features, pre-release channels, and how Suspense is preparing the way for others to bring cooperative concurrency to their libraries, applications, and frameworks. This week is made possible by G2i and Clubhouse. As a React contractor, do you find it difficult to coordinate your development work uh, and the work of finding new business? For me, I hated interrupting a good code vendor to take a sales call and send invoices. I just wanted to do the work. G2i makes this possible. They market you and your skills directly to companies. They manage all logistics, contracts, invoicing, and payments. You get personal support from their incredible team. And best of all, you join a unique collective of incredible React and React Native developers, available in Slack to help you through those really tricky moments. So, growing your skills is integrated into a day's work. If you're a contractor, don't go it alone. Partner with the amazing people at G2i. Visit g2i.co today, apply, and find opportunities you'll love. G2i, we vet, you get hired, it's that simple. Let's talk about Clubhouse. If you work on a team like mine, chances are your project management pipeline is confusing. Developers prefer tracking progress in GitHub, managers have discussions in Basecamp, and third-party services like Zapier send notifications to Trello and Slack to keep other teams abreast of changes, not terribly integrated. This is where Clubhouse comes in and really shines. Clubhouse is project management that brings everyone on every team together. They know design, front-end, back-end, marketing, and management all have different project pipelines. And they give you the tools to manage all of them. Tools for both structured and unstructured workflows that are friendly, fast, have great user experience, and come with all the integrations you expect and need. Clubhouse has recently made all core features completely free for teams with up to 10 users. And right now, React podcast listeners get two months free on any plan. Give it a try. I certainly am at clubhouse.io slash react. Andrew Clark, welcome back to React Podcast. Thank you very much for having me. So this is the first time that I've had you on the show. I think Michael Jackson had you on earlier. I think I was, last year we had at React Conf, you are no wait, yeah, I did that all was Michael guys. Jackson. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. We did all, all all of you all at once, and that was yeah, super yeah. fun. Yeah, okay, yeah, that was cool. <laughs> it was like in a panel, uh, or he, like around the table, or something like that. I yeah. think he had you on like super early, like episode two or something like that. Yes, that's right. Yes. And okay, you, so this is my third appearance, I suppose, yes. all, all together. And I think you might have even been talking about concurrent mode, probably back. Then. Yeah, it's likely. <laughs> How long have you been working on it? Um, in a sense, like the whole time I've been at Facebook, so and even before. So I've been at Facebook a little over three years, on the React core team at Facebook for a little over three years. And it's really the original kind of in that I had onto the into contributing to React. So 
even beyond my involvement in it, uh, you know, the ideas, the, the stuff that goes into concurrent mode and suspense um, goes back like, you know, five years probably, probably yeah. like, you know, uh, to right after the initial React release, maybe before. So there are a lot of prototypes back in the day um, uh, by Jordan Walk um, and I think Pete Hunt and s- several other people had these ideas for, you know, what if we had, you know, what about, what if React, but like concurrent and parallel and we were like taking advantage of different threads and stuff like that. Uh, I th- there used to be a tweet that I would include or uh, in my slides when I would, when I would talk about React, I think from Pete Hunt saying in like 2015, like, oh, wait for React 2. <laughs> We're working on it now. It's going to be great. It's going to be concurrent, massively concurrent and uh, amazing. And uh, that spirit of optimism has uh, kind of existed the, uh, throughout our, you know, and sustained us for these many years. Um, so I come into the picture around 2016. Um, Sebastian, uh, who is our uh, tech lead, he took some of, you know, he's been thinking about this very thoughtfully for a while. He took some of the ideas that was in, um, the ideas that were in Jordan's prototype, a few ideas from, you know, people trying to put things in like workers and stuff like that, uh, and kind of came up with this new architecture called React Fiber. Um, so React Fiber is the uh, kind of rewrite of React that we, a new architecture of React that we shipped in React 16 uh, two years ago. And I was just a person in the React community. I was involved in projects like Redux and a few other things. And I just was a, I, I liked React a lot. So I was constantly stalking the GitHub <laughs> commit list <laughs> uh, and like reading all, all the things that were happening just so I can get a jump on what might be coming down the pipe. Uh, and so I started seeing these commits about Fiber and I reached out to Sebastian. I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like, is there any way I could contribute? What about this? What about yeah. that? Um, and Sebastian was very encouraging to me and for some reason <laughs> uh, uh, kind of helped me out and helped onboard me and I started submitting PRs. Uh, my first ever kind of con- significant c- contribution to the React code base was I implemented set state for for the, fi- the new no Fiber way. architecture. Yeah, so pretty cool first PR. Yeah. <laughs> I count my blessings that I was in the right place at the right time because not everyone can say that they implemented set state. <laughs> um, Everyone's uh, React's most misunderstood method. I yeah, think. yeah. Um, so that was really exciting. And I, just timing wise, it could not have been more perfect for me to start contributing because, I mean, I got to write the, the current iteration, the yeah. current implementation of React um, from basically the beginning. Like Sebastian did the first few. Um, the, the initial architecture mm-hmm. and the first few commits, and then I, from that first set state PR, I, I just went on from there. Anyway, this is a, I give very rambling answers. So no, no, no. You can edit all of this out <laughs> later. <laughs> well, it seems like um, I had not really thought about it, but I think it's easy to forget, you know, because it, it all worked so seamlessly for those of us who use React, the public API of React. Mm-hmm. But it, it's easy to forget that this was a full rewrite. Like, yeah, I mean... Except for, I would say, like, we reuse the event system and the DOM mm-hmm. stuff, but in terms of the the core reconciler, I guess is what we call it, um, that is the part that is shared across React Native and React and, like, React 360, and uh, that's our VR uh, platform, yep. that is that was totally rewritten um, from scratch, uh, which is an amazing way to onboard yourself onto a new code base, <laughs> which is just write just a new one. <laughs> <laughs> And to write something, you're not just rewriting, like, it, you're rewriting something that millions of people depend on. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, that's a whole other conversation. Um, but, and what was your, your original question was uh, concurrent mode. Um, yeah, so, the reason I bring up this fiber rewrite is that that fiber rewrite was 
you know, arguably the main motivation for that. There are a lot of other ones, but the, mm-hmm. one of the main motivations for it was to support this new uh, concurrent rendering paradigm architecture that we um, are now starting to see the the fruits of that labor. Um, so you're so you're rebuilding React within these fibers, and the goal of the goal of the rewrite is not just to like rewrite it to have like a cleaner code base or whatever, but yes. to support the the idea the eventual idea of a concurrent mode in reality. absolutely yeah i mean to be clear the benefits of the new code base on their own would have been worth it sure uh i didn't quite see that at the time but like <laughs> when we released react 16 which was the first fiber you know that didn't have any concurrent mode stuff in it yeah but it was you know it did have some new features that had like fragments and portals mm-hmm. and um so to be clear there's a lot of benefits aside from the concurrent mode stuff but yet the the whole point of fiber was to get where we are now like, you know, three years ago, we were working on fibers so that we could get to today where we're finally releasing um, to everyone uh, the features that are that are the fruits of that labor. It takes a tremendous amount of vision. Um, has it been uh, this might be getting like too nitty gritty, but has yeah. it been frustrating at times? Like, you know, you have this this vision for like what the future of React looks like, you know, and and it, it turns out that it's it's about three to five, maybe six years out. Um has it been frustrating, like, as you got feedback from the community of, like, like, oh, why are you changing this or that or the other thing? And you're like, it's this thing in our minds. That we're- yeah, uh, frustrating is maybe the wrong word. Uh, I think I especially, because I was, I mean, this is only my second other ever engineering job, um, <laughs> maybe second and a half. Um, so I think I was just a little naive uh, in my enthusiasm sure. and excitement. It's kind of like that that tweet I was mentioning. It's like, oh, we'll ship it, like, in a few months. It's going to be great. <laughs> um, but frustrating is the wrong word because... Uh, it's not like we hit a roadblock and then it just like sent, set us back several months and then mm-hmm. we like kept trying and failing, kept trying and failing. We were making, every every failure was a lesson, of course. Yeah. You know, we were making iterative progress. We were even, I always have to remind myself, we even shipped a lot of stuff along the yeah. way. Yeah, like yeah. we shipped React 16, which had error boundaries, which yeah. uh, it had fragments, it had, um, we, eventually we shipped portals. a new, yeah, portals. Yeah. Later we shipped the new uh, context, context API. That, I mean, even that, you know, we had an old context API, but yeah. even that feature was very much came out of uh, we need a version of this feature that actually works and can, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that actually yeah, works. Yeah. Period. Um, you know, hooks. I mean, hooks was entirely not entirely, but like that was very much uh, a concurrent rendering driven yes. design. Yep. Um, it was all about like how can we get people to write more idiomatic code. Yeah. Um, so that when eventually we move to this concurrent paradigm. Uh, it's they're already writing code in mm-hmm. the patterns that we need them to, uh, and doesn't have uh, quite so many pitfalls the way that uh, classes can sometimes sure. have. Um, so really, this is the way I've been trying to pitch it to to people that I talk to. Like really, everything we've worked on in the last three years has either been towards a goal of shipping um, concurrent mode and suspense to everyone, mm-hmm. or it's been built on top of that progress. Um, like. To me, concurrent is, I, I want everyone to know, it, it's not like some special add-on. <laughs> it's not like a layer on top of React. It is React. Yeah. <laughs> and everything else is layered on top of it. Um, it just so happens that it's, it's, uh, it's taken us a few years to get to a point where we're confident enough um, that the, uh, both that it's good <laughs> and yeah. that it it's, uh, solves people's problems and that they will have the tools and uh, ability to actually use this in their apps in a way that they understand and in a way that works on their team. Nice. Yeah. Now, a couple of things that we, we didn't talk about in that 16 release, which is a very like, wide release, 
is that in addition to hooks, last year you made an API for React.lazy mm-hmm. and um, also the origin, the, the initial suspense component, yes. which you have to use in, in order to use mm-hmm. uh, uh, React.lazy. So I know that sometimes these these concepts get munched together, you know, suspense and concurrent and yeah. all that kind of stuff. What is the, as we move forward, as we now have these, um, you know, experimental releases and people start playing with concurrent mode in their apps, um, what are some of those things, what are some of the components they'll be using? What are some of the, like, mindset shifts that they'll have to keep in mind? Right. Like, what's some of the, what's the new stuff that, that they need to think about that isn't just like suspense the component right um so yeah to just to fill in everyone's so suspense component is a component released uh last year and it it works today um yeah. you can use it in today's app even though we haven't uh shipped concurrent mode to everyone um and it has some of the characteristics some of the features that full-blown concurrent suspense has um and the idea was just to give to, to start incrementally giving people a way to get used to this new uh, paradigm without even before the whole thing is is available. So suspense, suspense allows you to wrap like a subtree in uh, in this boundary, so that if anything inside of it uh, doesn't have the data or the code or whatever that it needs to render, then React will instead find the nearest boundary and render a placeholder instead. And so that's a very uh, that's an integral part of how suspense works in the concurrent world as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in the concurrent world, you just have even more features on top of that. Um, you are able to wait a little bit before you show that spinner. Um, you're able to tra- uh, to coordinate when you when you make a transition. You're able to coordinate, you know, uh, how, exactly how long you're willing to wait for that transition mm. to finish before you really need to show those placeholders. Um, you're able to say like, oh, this boundary here. Um, it's I'd really prefer not to show this one if I can avoid <laughs> if I can avoid it. So you're able. There's a notion of some uh, boundaries are a little bit more embarrassing than the other ones. Sure. So if you can do a little bit to like show this one instead, um, there's a lot of concepts wrapped up uh, into suspense that are available in the concurrent world that are not available okay. in the synchronous world. So th- that's why the API already exists, but we still t- kind of sometimes talk about it in the present or future tense. Interesting. So that um, is it. So suspense as a component is one that kind of uh, exists in both worlds. Yes. And uh, but has is more capable. Yes, in exactly. Concurrent. Yes. Um, so we can give you some of the benefits uh, in this legacy mode that mm-hmm. uh, exists today. But you're really going to unlock the full spectrum of possibilities once uh, you're in concurrent mode. Uh, I think there's another question that you asked me. Oh, so I guess uh, I guess a follow up to that is like just like how what type what are the new like components I guess um, that oh, yeah. are part of this. So um, so uh, th- there's there's a few new APIs. Like uh, I would encourage you just to go and read the docs because I might forget one of them or <laughs> it, they're, they're they're pretty complex. And where are those um, now? It's like ReactJS.org slash. Yeah, so uh, reactjs.org slash concurrent. Um, there's a very in-depth uh, walkthrough, mm-hmm. uh, and there's an API reference. We're gonna they're, we're gonna keep iterating on it. It's cool. not uh, completely set in stone right now. Um, we can discuss in a bit maybe the the implications of what we mean when we say it's experimental. <laughs> but uh, there are a few new APIs. There's a thing called suspense list, which is very exciting, and this is a way to coordinate um, not just a single subtree, but if you have like a list or a grid. Uh, mm. of uh, a grid type UI which is or list type UI which is you know very pop common sure. like, in, a, like a timeline yeah exactly um, it gives you uh, it's like a primitive for coordinating when those things pop in nice. and in what order and what sequence um, we have some new hooks one's called use deferred value one's called use transition those are um, 
ways that you can, uh, well, use deferred value is a way that you can uh, tell React, hey, this value here, this um, that I have in my the body of my function component, um, this one, it's okay if you wait a little bit longer for that one to show up. Um, and it allows you to not block the stuff that's more important, like, for instance, changing the color of some button when you hover over it. Um, so that's another concept that concurrent, mo- concurrent mode and suspense has, is this idea of different things are have different levels of relative priority. Okay. Um, um, so imagine you, uh, you know, are switching tabs uh, or you're navigating to a new page or a new part mm-hmm. of your, your app. Some, uh, th- there's multiple stages of, of what goes into a, a pleasant interaction sure. when you transition throughout an app. We like to think of this sometimes as like splitting it into multiple paints, right? So the, okay. the, the first thing you want to do when you transition to a new part of the app is you want to give the user at least some immediate feedback that they actually did click on something <laughs> or they actually did press on something. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's really important and that's like your first paint. That needs to happen basically instantaneously as, as fast as we possibly can. Yeah. So that's really important. We call that like a user blocking update. Um, now in, the, in the case of some of the demos that we might have seen, like uh, going back to the... Um, the JSConf Iceland um, demo um, that Dan did, would that be like the spinner in the button type of thing? Is that the... Yeah, so uh, so that, uh, usually we refer to that as maybe like a second paint because you don't need to show a spinner in the button okay. immediately, right? Like yep. as long as the button like maybe changes color or you just have some feedback that the... Sure. That the the computer hasn't stalled. <laughs> yeah, 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 the yeah. app hasn't frozen. You, you want some like uh, you, know, you know on like your phone or iOS or Android, like you, you tap on something and like you little get a wave, nice little, a little yeah. ripple. Yeah, yeah. You, you get like a highlight or it changes color. Yep. Or you just need some instant uh, feedback. Uh, so that's the first paint. Very important. We we do that at user blocking priority, and we try and keep that as small as possible. We want to you want to render re-render the whole page during that. Um, during that render, because like I really don't want to, I can't slow down. Yep. Uh, that immediate feedback. So uh, we keep that really small, and we move most things into one of the second, like the second or third paint. Uh, and that's the stuff that might depend on data. It might depend on loading sure. new code. It might depend on new images. Uh, often you're you're mounting entirely new subtrees. Yeah. That yeah. just naturally is going to take a little longer, especially if you're waiting on data, mm-hmm. right? Um, and our research at Facebook, and if, uh, if you look into like uh, research, UX research, a lot of that shows that there's actually a pretty large threshold that people are willing to wait for that transition to finish as mm. long as you give them that immediate feedback. Okay. Um, and suspense, all of our APIs uh, around concurrent and suspense are designed to optimize for this, this pattern of splitting things into multiple paints. There's another kind of paint which you were just talking about, which is sometimes comes in the middle, and that's that little inline spinner that you might see sometimes when you, when you click on a button and something has taken maybe a little longer than we had uh-huh. hoped. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's, we call that sometimes a busy spinner. And this is like just a reassuring, I think of it as like a reassuring a signal to the user, like I know that you clicked on me, or I know that you, I know that you asked for something, uh, like a second ago or whatever, and I know it hasn't, I know it hasn't arrived yet, yeah. so <laughs> but we're working that, on it. That, that first human timeout, like if you would have like that, that like attention timeout, where you're like, wait, what the heck? And that's when you would see like the secondary paint, which is like that little spinner in yeah, the yeah. view that you already have. Yeah, we, we've been calling that that a busy spinner. It's like, we're, we're still working. <laughs> yeah. We're still working on it. Uh, please be a little patient. And uh, research shows that if you show someone that, it extends even a little bit further how long they're willing to wait because they, they don't have to wonder if the thing just yeah. broke, 
right? You ever have that experience where you're using something and you tap on it and you're like, it, it's taking a while and you're like, is it actually working or do I need to like refresh? Right. Do I need to turn my computer off and back on? <laughs> um, so we call this a busy spinner. Um, and then finally, like the last paint that you'll get, the last frame that you see is when the transition is actually finished. Um, and uh, so, so that's the progression. There's immediate feedback. If it takes a little bit too long, maybe show a, a busy spinner. And then finally, whatever the final result was. And suspense is about giving you the tools to manage those transitions. So I mentioned one already is use deferred value. That's the hook. You, you pass it a value, it gives you back a deferred version of that value. Okay. And the, that allows you to say, hey, this thing that I just gave you, uh, it doesn't need to be part of that first pane. Right? If this changes, I, I don't need to show it immediately. And in fact, if you did show it, try and show it immediately, it would probably end up slowing down that immediate feedback that, okay. that I was trying to get. Um, so that's what use deferred value is for. So it's a way to like deprioritize exactly. your intention. Yes, okay. exactly. Um, and we have some like uh, feedback and some warnings that will try and nudge you in the right direction if uh, you start uh, putting too much stuff into that first paint that I was talking about, the, okay. the user blocking one. Uh, we have some suggestions to say, hey, maybe put this inside a use deferred value because your suspend the, the heuristic we use is if you if you suspend. On a, uh, on a value at user blocking priority, it's like, you know, you're probably not going to be able to load over the network yeah. <laughs> <laughs> some data in the time that it takes to, that, that you need to be able to show that button changing color. Right. And then we have another hook called use transition. And this is uh, a way that you can, uh, uh, it gives you a thing called start transition. It returns start transition uh, method. And uh, you pass it a function inside that function, you can schedule some updates. Uh, and those updates will also be deferred, similar to use deferred value. Um, but it also gives you a way to configure how long you're willing to wait before you need to show that final paint, and the transition just needs to to, uh, to actually complete. Um, Interesting. In the future, we have some more unstable uh, uh, options that you can pass to use transition that allow you to configure um, when that busy spinner shows up, for instance. Okay. Um, those are still a little bit more in flux. Um, but the idea of this use transition hook is it gives you um, kind of the knobs that you can fiddle with mm -hmm. to say, uh, you know, this is how long, th this is how I want to design my loading experience, how I want to design the paints that happen yeah. in this in this user interaction. So that's called use transition. Now, is this for people who've been following along? Is use transition kind of the successor to what used to be max duration? Uh, yes, in some ways. So max okay. duration. Um, is uh, this is an example of something that we had the idea for originally mm -hmm. and it's something we eventually realized in, in practice is not a great primitive mm -hmm. um, for coordinating and orchestrating these different um, loading states and transitions. Um, so this is uh, this use transition hook is one of the things that we uh, have that fits a similar um, use case as what we were hoping that max duration nice. would solve. So uh, it gives uh, use transition, one of the options it has is timeout. Um, and you give this uh, number of milliseconds that you think that the user, or that you think that you're willing to wait before you really just need to show the next screen. Oh, sure. Right? And to clarify, to fill, fill in some context, uh, when I say show the next screen, there might be some holes in the next screen, there might be some placeholders. And the idea of a use transition is sometimes it's better to wait on the previous screen <laughs> yeah. for, the, for the next screen to fill in before you show it. But at a certain point, you just need to say, okay, it doesn't matter how much, <laughs> it doesn't matter yeah, how much yeah. is still there. I need to, sh I need to show them the next screen, yeah. even if there's some placeholders. So that's what timeout MS uh, is the name of the prop is uh, a timeout value. 
that's what that allows you to configure is like, you know what, wait two seconds, and then after two seconds go by, just show me the next screen. Yeah. I, even if there's a placeholder, just I need to see something. Um, so re- recap again, user blocking update that gives immediate feedback, possibly a busy spinner, something takes a little bit too long, and then uh, a timeout where eventually it's just like, I need to show the next screen, yeah. the, the transition needs to go through. It sounds to me like a lot of this is happening, I don't know, it, it seems like where a lot of frameworks have kind of like stagnated on like making the best like developer experience or like mm-hmm. developer focused APIs, a lot of what you're working on now is actually about product, right? It's yeah. about user experiences. Like you're going like closer to the user um, and the, the opinions that you're f- are forming are based on like user research and like your experience building the the next version of Facebook, um, what is what is some of that experience that's kind of informing these these decisions? So yeah, this is um, you know there there are some downsides to working on corporate OSS <laughs> um, or some pros and cons I would say. Yeah, and I, I get asked about that a lot, and I have to sit, I try and answer reflectively and honestly, um, but. For the most part, I there there are a ton of upsides that yeah, might not yeah. be obvious. I mean, there's there's some that are obvious, like we have lots of resources and we have scale. We have lots of users that yeah. um, um, you know we're building products that people actually use. But the biggest um, the biggest benefit I would say is that we get to use when we ship a product. We don't only get to use uh, uh, our APIs to build actual things. We have to. Yeah. <laughs> um, the React 16 release that you were talking about, where we essentially rewrote, I mean, not essentially, we did rewrite all of React and ship it to everyone, and there were no giant bugs or migration right. woes. That's the type of thing that, like, it was absolutely required like that we had to do that for Facebook, but also I'm not sure we would have been able to if yeah. we didn't have just this the the giant number of developers and engineers and uh, the infrastructure and the users at Facebook that allowed us to incrementally try and roll this giant rewrite out, mm-hmm. find the problems, fix them, find the problems, fix them, um, so that we were ab- eventually able to release this to the entire world. And by the time everyone else was using it, the problems were already solved in our little mini our little mini community at Facebook. Yeah. Um, so yeah, working with the product teams and the infrastructure teams at Facebook, there's just absolutely no way that React would be in the place that it is today mm-hmm. and be as good as we think it is for solving real world problems if we weren't actually solving real world problems as part of our everyday job at Facebook. Um, We actually, uh, some people don't know this, but the React team, the core team at Facebook, is in the product org. Hmm. We work directly with the teams that are building the new Facebook website. React Native works directly with the uh, the teams that are building Marketplace. And we get so much valuable feedback, direct feedback, uh, and our APIs are so, and our features are so influenced mm-hmm. um, by the response we get from them. Uh, the the thing I was mentioning earlier about max duration not really working out, like that was a, a, an experiment that didn't quite work in practice, even though we thought it'd work in theory. That was, I mean, the way we found that out was we tried <laughs> we tried to ship it to the new Facebook website, and the engineers were like, "This is this isn't working. How I thought it would. Like, it, it doesn't actually let me do this. Like, I don't. I'm I'm not sure how this is supposed to work." And we're like, "Yeah, yeah, you're right." <laughs> and that's the type of thing. Like, if we didn't have uh, you know a, a a project like the new Facebook website, 
um, we would probably have to either find some external open source partner yeah. or, I mean, we would have maybe released that, <laughs> <laughs> that max duration prop to the whole world. And then we would, at this conference this year, we would be doing a bunch of backpedaling <laughs> <laughs> and trying to like migrate everyone off of it and onto a new thing. And, uh, so there's, there's definite, um, benefits to us having like a little laboratory, yeah. you know, just this tiny little tiny little laboratory of a billion people <laughs> to be able to inc- uh, you know, iterate and try things out before we're confident enough to uh, share them with everyone else. Yeah, you get the, I was, I was talking with Sunil yesterday and it, it seems like those who use React and are trying to get those same benefits of you know, a really pleasant user experience, um, really get the benefit of Facebook scale and uh, research mm-hmm. in this regard. And that's something that a lot of like a lot of other frameworks really don't have access to like that th- touching like a you know billion people on on a release of like Well, something. I wouldn't say none. Like I mean Angular uh I'm sure they work really closely with Google sure. folks. Um I'm pretty sure Ember works very closely with uh, people at LinkedIn. So I won't say we're novel in that regard, but um I also am just a huge fan of the Facebook engineering culture. You know, mm-hmm. uh, Tom said today, uh, it's kind of his one of his mantras uh, at Facebook, which is, we need to find an incremental path from where we are to where we want to go. And that's really the story of concurrent mode. It's yeah. like, we, we're uh, in this space where we have React and it's beloved by a lot of people and it's, people rely on it for their businesses and their products. And we have this future version of React that we think is even better <laughs> and is even more amazing. How do we get everyone that is already using it to that place? And I mean, that that is just ingrained into every fiber of uh, fiber. Uh, <laughs> that was absolutely unintentional of um of the Facebook engineering culture, and that—that's what allows uh, React would be very different if if uh, we didn't have that. Yeah. Now you've mentioned um, you've mentioned partnerships with um, with Google that you mm-hmm. and um, the Chrome team are really working on on figuring out what some of these next APIs that the browsers need to have, and a lot of that work we haven't talked about this yet, but mm-hmm. a lot of that came out of um, Scheduler, which is this this package that is yeah. kind of like kind of pulled out of this the rewrite of react and something that i assume concurrent mode relies on heavily heavily yeah so um for some context scheduler is it's this is like even more experimental than the other experimental stuff uh (laughs) but uh it is something that we actually already ship a version of this package to everyone as one of the uh, dependencies of react right now Uh, it's used for just fun trivia effect it's used to schedule um all all this the stuff that you put in use effect Huh. That doesn't happen. That happens after React paints to the browser. Um, uh, what we do is we, uh, when you do an update, we, uh, you know, first we call your component and we figure out, uh, we reconcile, we figure out what we need to render the screen. Um, once we figure all that out, we actually mutate the DOM, and then we yield to the browser to allow it to paint. Hmm. And it's only after the browser has been allowed to paint um, to the screen and show the user the, the new frame. It's only after that do we fire all of the use effect. Um, stuff, all the hmm. stuff you put inside of use effect. Um, sometimes we refer that to as a passive effect because it doesn't block uh, the main thread. Um, this is kind of a detour, but we use scheduler for that uh, already gotcha. today. Um, but really what scheduler is designed for is uh, it is our package for uh, our fr- uh, library for um, managing the different priority levels of, of different work that React has okay. to do. So 
to get boring and technical for a second, <laughs> um, I guess technical is what people want on this podcast. It's good, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, uh, you know, JS's uh, the web is a single-threaded environment um, mm-hmm. for the most part. There's some mm-hmm. stuff that happens on other threads, but if you're write, writing JavaScript, it all happens on a single thread. Yep. Another caveat, there's workers, yes, but <laughs> um, for the most part, everything happens on a single thread. So all of your, all of the React work that we do, the uh, reconciliation, uh, all of your React render methods, um, they have to coexist on the same CPU thread as events that uh, that get dispatched when a user touches something or yeah. clicks something. They have to coexist with, um, you know, request animation frame. Um, so we don't actually have proper real threads for the most part um, when you're running your JavaScript. So sometimes uh, when we use the word concurrent React, we're like, okay, what's that mean then? Like, there's only one thread. You can't be concurrent <laughs> on a single thread. Um, so this is, uh, the computer science term for this is cooperative concurrency. So that's the kind of concurrency that React on the web uh, React Native is a little bit different, but uh, React on the web uses cooperative multitasking, cooperative concurrency, and it allows us to have conceptual threads, um, different lanes of work that we can be working on at mm-hmm. any time, and switch between them as new events come in. Um, so the basic idea behind this is uh, in React to today, when you, you know, let's just say you, you render the whole screen when you first load the page. That can be a lot of work. This could be a lot of components that you have to call the render methods. You have to diff all the mm-hmm. things. You have to reconcile all, all that <laughs> stuff. That can block the main thread for like, you know, let's just yeah. say a second or sure. whatever. So that means for n number of seconds, you can't do anything. You can't interact because that again, that's also on the main thread. You can't uh, be animating anything uh, with request animation frame because that's on the main thread. Yeah. Um, you're just blocked for the, the, as long as it takes for React to render that update. Um, so the big thing, one of the big features of concurrent mode is uh, we no longer block events. Even if you have a second, two seconds worth of work, um, we no longer have to block events, even though <laughs> we're still running on the main thread. And the trick we have for that is we, run, uh, we just split the work into chunks. So all the chunks happen on the main thread, but they're little tiny spaces in between yeah. all of the chunks. And if there's no event, then the space is like infinitesimal and it's not a big deal. But if there is an event that's pending, the browser can come in, dispatch the event. We can get it, uh, React can be notified that hmm. there is a new update. And that allows us to, uh, if it's higher priority than what we were currently working on, switch to doing that instead. So that's the, the sometimes we call this time slicing. Like we, we have this giant task and we're just slicing it into chunks and yeah. spreading it across different uh uh, along the timeline. So the schedule is kind of like a, a triage system almost? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a scheduler. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, so it, it's the thing that manages like whether, um, it, it's the thing that allows us to split work into chunks. So gotcha. um, the API is now final. Also, I should mention at this point, it's uh, very much based on our collaboration with the Google Chrome team. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have a user space scheduler that we're using. Uh, the plan eventually is to rely on a native browser API, okay. um, platform API that we are, um, there's a proposal out there. Uh, I think if you go to uh, GitHub slash WICG slash main thread scheduling, um, mm-hmm. you can see the proposal. If that's the wrong URL, just Google main thread scheduling and <laughs> it, it'll come up. We can we can find um, it for the, the show notes. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, it's heavily based on kind of that evolving proposal. It's, it's still a work in progress. Huh. Um so I'm gonna, I might mention some APIs that don't that won't exactly line up with what eventually ships. But essentially, uh, our user space scheduler that we built um, gives you a way to schedule a task, 
Um, and it gives you a way to cancel a task and it gives you uh, a way to specify the priority of that task. So whether it's user blocking, like I was mentioning earlier, or just like one of those default mm-hmm. um, tasks that, um, that that is the default. Um, and then it also gives you a way to check if you need to yield to uh, execution to the main thread and pick up later. Gotcha. So the way this usually works is um, in the framework that you have that is using scheduler, you'll have uh, a task loop, essentially, a, wors- a work loop, um, where you'll do a unit of work. Uh, maybe it's popping something off a queue and performing it. Uh, and then each in between each unit of work, you'll check this method that, let's just call it should yield. Um, and for as long as this method called should yield returns false, just keep doing work. Just keep doing uh-huh. it okay. uh, over and over and over again until either your queue is empty or until should yield starts returning true. And that's what tells you, hey, you know, there's uh, either you know, an animation or there's some user event that is on the main thread. You really need to give up control of the main thread hmm. so that that thing can be unblocked. And then um, you can post a continuation so that it'll pick up later. So that's the um, essential essential primitive that allows hmm. the fiber architecture to work. So we have a work loop. Um, we uh, do like a, a single unit of work, which for us is a component. We call that components render method. We get its children back. And then, uh, you know, we have like a depth first traversal. But before we go down to the children and start rendering those, we check to see if we need to yield. <laughs> if we need to yield, then we post. We schedule another task to come back later, and we exit. If we don't need to yield, then we just keep going iteratively and on and on and on. Um, and uh, that's like the that's the basic mechanism that allows us to have concurrency, quote unquote, <laughs> even though there's still only a single thread. Um, there's, I, I'm alighting over a lot of the nuance here, but sure. that, that, that's that's the basics um, the basics of it. Um, a lot of what dis- de- what determines like what goes into whether you need to yield or not is also uh, the priority level. So there's uh, the, the big ones are just user blocking and default um, m- uh, clicks in any transition or any uh, user interactions. React will automatically make those user blocking. Okay. Um, and then the way that you uh, opt out of that and make something default again, because that's what you want to do for most things that are like I/O bound or depend mm-hmm. on data, or that um, don't actually need to happen in that user blocking first paint that we were talking about. Um, that's why we have those other APIs like you, uh, use transition and use deferred value. Interesting, because those those things are integrated with scheduler as such that w- when you use them, it makes everything that happens as a result that default priority again. Interesting. So are those APIs a way to not require you to use scheduler directly? Yeah, that's, that's the idea. Um, eventually we, so, so the idea is that scheduler is, uh, our current thinking is it's mostly pitched towards other frameworks. Gotcha. Um, it's not something that you would, if you're a product developer, if you're building components, if you're building mm-hmm. features in an app, you would probably not interact or like need to import scheduler gotcha. because um, you know all of that chunking and all that complicated stuff I was mm-hmm. just describing. Like React does that for you. <laughs> like you don't have to set that up. <laughs> React does. But if you're building a framework or working on a framework like maybe Webpack or I don't know like Apollo or Relay or something like mm-hmm. that, um, you might you might want to use uh, these primitives in your own library. You might want to time slice stuff. Um, you might want to read what the, what is the current priority at which I'm running um, so I can make decisions about yeah. scheduling. Um, the, the reason the scheduler package is so important is uh, when it comes to scheduling, like you need some, uh, particularly a cooperative scheduling yeah. where it's really just up to every 
buddy that's running code to not hog the main thread, right? Yeah. Um, you need some sort of central thing coordinator mm-hmm. that um, is able to choose which tasks to work on and yep. able to choose when the current task needs to yield and all of that. So you need to agree on some set of things. And so the things that uh, in this uh, setup that we have, this architecture, the things that you have to agree on are use post tasks to schedule tasks and uh, use these priority levels, these five priority levels that we've laid out to schedule your work properly. Um, and as long if you can assume everyone is being a good citizen, um, which sometimes is not the best assumption, but <laughs> if we can get everyone to be uh, all the frameworks and React itself and the code that you write um, in your components to be a good citizen, then everything will work out nicely. Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. So that's a way that you're working with the Chrome team um, directly to get these scheduling APIs into the browser. Uh, I know that you mentioned earlier that you're also working with them and through frameworks to try to figure out how to handle the server side um, problem mm, yeah. in React. Could you talk a little bit more to that? So React has had a server side rendering for a while. I mean, I, I guess for as long as I've been using React, uh, there's been some way to, I mean, this, I think this was actually the initial thing that got me really excited. Like, <laughs> what? You can render the same app on the server. I don't have to write it twice. And it was just mind blowing to me that yeah. like, uh, you could render to some HTML. Um, so we, we've had that for a long time, um, but uh, it's 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 cool. But um, in practice, there's there's some flaws with it. Um, and so what we've seen is like a proliferation of a lot of other server renders that people have written um, at Airbnb or just even ones that are open source yep. to try and circumvent the problems that the just the out of the box uh, React server render has. Um, there are several. I won't list all of them, but one of them is just kind of. Uh, you immediately hit once he's trying to do server rendering is, well, how do I load my data? (laughs) 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 Like, uh, you know, this gives me a way to like give it a component and then get a string back synchronously essentially. But like if my, if I don't know what data to load, then what, what do I do? (laughs) Like, (laughs) so people, there's a lot of ways to handle this, like have some framework that sits on top that like, uh, where you wait for all the data first before you start rendering. That's mm-hmm. some version of that is essentially what you have to do. Um, like I, I think Next has like get initial props. Yeah, or Next something Next like that. has a way where you just declare this is the stuff that I need to render, yeah. and you you do all of your you know initial fetching in that get initial props method, and then once it's done, Next knows that it can it can do the server rendering. Um, but really, like if you if you uh, you know step back and think about this, this is very similar to the problem space that Suspense was designed to involve, mm-hmm. where it's like I should be able to start rendering even before all my data has resolved. Yeah. Um, and uh, so we have some plans to build a a much better uh, streaming server renderer that can render out of order that has mm. uh, built in support for Suspense. Um, it's very much based on the big pipe architecture that we have at Facebook, which is how Facebook has been built, you know, for, you know, I don't know how many years at this point, eight, eight years. Um, <laughs> a long time. And, uh, and uh, it's very much inspired by that architecture. Um, but it's uh, it's a React it's a React architecture. Uh, I gave a talk about this, la- like a very early prototype of this concept um, last summer at Zeit Day, I believe. Yeah. Um, anyway, that that is uh, very much on our roadmap. Um, it's especially something we're investing in now because we're actually going to ship it to facebook.com. Hmm. Whereas previously we weren't doing any server rendering on, on the old Facebook website because it was not primarily a React rendered website. It used sure. to be PHP. So there is progress on this. Um, the, the piece we're working on right now 
is specifically the hydration. So this is the other part of service-side uh, service rendering is, you know, you can send some H HTML down to the client that you rendered on the server, and that's pretty cool. But you can't actually interact with any of that HTML yeah. <laughs> uh, except for the native, you know, like form elements and stuff. You yeah. can't actually interact with it or do anything with your app until React loads, yep. and uh, we call this hydration. React will load, it'll take the HTML that you already rendered, and it will attach all the event listeners mm -hmm. and just start listening for updates, essentially. Um, that is, so, so even if you have HTML, that, that takes time. Like, you gotta load all the code, and yeah. you, gotta, you gotta actually do the work to, to attach the event listeners. Uh, and you know that alone can take, let's just say, a second again. <laughs> like, it can yeah. take multiple seconds, yeah. depending on what kind of device you're on. So um, before we build a server render, we're trying to make that problem a lot better. Like it's, mm. it's going to be unacceptable for us to wait that long to start interacting with the app. So um, we have a feature called selective hydration. Well, well two things. Uh, there's progressive hydration and selective hydration. So progressive hydration just gives us the ability to hydrate part of the app before we hydrate the entire thing. So that's quite nice. Um, and uh, it's the suspense boundaries that, uh, that we already have for the client. It's those same boundaries that we use in order to chunk up the hydration works. Like, okay, first we can render this level of boundaries, uh, or sorry, we can hydrate this level of boundaries, and then we can hydrate the next level, and we don't have to do it all in one giant chunk. Can you prioritize the independent boundaries? Um, well, so let me get to the second. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so the second feature we have is called selective hydration. Uh, and so the idea behind this is, yes, some of the things that uh, are more important to hydrate than others, and... Uh, a really good way to decide what's most important is what did the user interact with. <laughs> so the, the idea here is if you um, uh, if the user interacts with some part of the tree that has not been hydrated yet, yeah. React can uh, prioritize that subtree specifically huh. uh, and hydrate that before it continues doing everything else, and that uh, like greatly. Uh, decreases the time to in between when the user interacted and when they actually see some sort of response. Um, so that's called selective hydration. The, there's like a few other features in here, but this what really excites me about this feature in particular, but re really all of our the features we're working on, is once you're using suspense, that's all of that's basically free. <laughs> you know, like because you're <laughs> yeah. already you already have the suspense boundaries. You don't have to dramatically change the way you write your code mm -hmm. um, in order to take advantage of this selective hydration feature. You just as long as you wrap some stuff in suspense boundaries, which you're probably already doing anyway uh, in a suspense concurrent app because that's how you do client side mm -hmm. um, suspense stuff. Then you just get that feature for free. So the demo that we uh, like the prototypes that we have internally are super exciting for that reason, where it's like. Uh, we can turn this on on the new Facebook website, and it's like we didn't have to go out and add a bunch of code anywhere. It just started working. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, and yeah, to zoom out a bit, that's that's why all of these APIs really excite me. It's like they all fit together so well. Yeah. Um, and uh, once there might be a little bit of a conceptual hurdle to understand what's going on, mm -hmm. um, or like how you're supposed to think about these different lanes of priorities and, sure. and all this <laughs> stuff. There's a little bit of a conceptual hurdle as there are with a lot of things in React. But then mm -hmm. once you get over that hurdle and you've paid that initial cost, mm -hmm. everything just becomes so intuitive and you just have so many, so many uh, cool high-level tools to start designing uh, the user experience. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I, I think also you've been saying this, and um, Ashley was saying this uh, in the in the talk this morning. Uh, this idea of suspense boundaries, mm -hmm. and I, I 
I've heard like suspense, right, is like a component, but this idea of suspense boundaries, the idea that this is like a bounded piece mm-hmm. of, of view, right? Right. And that you can think of that as like being able to like, you know, load um, you know, in different ways, right? To be able to manage the way that that loads makes a lot of sense, especially um, coupled with the concept of like error boundaries, right? Yeah. Because it's like this, That's something is going to yes. raise up and then that is the bound that like actually like, handles that that's really fascinating yeah my uh, flip so, so my, my flip kind of like line about this is that <laughs> suspense boundaries are like error ex- exception handling with good marketing <laughs> maybe it's a little bit more than that but if you think about how like suspense works today and just like the legacy uh, mode they're essentially error boundaries right, right <laughs> it's yeah, like yeah. i tried to render something i failed because <laughs> there wasn't enough data so i rendered something else instead there's <laughs> exception handling uh with the added uh like the, the other novel bit is that we do eventually swap back from the placeholder to right. the original view um so that part is is not just marketing but <laughs> um and that is where it differs from like an error boundary which is just going to like Stop. Yeah, like once it sh- once we show the error, then it's up to you to to mm-hmm. you know manage the state to swap it back. So that, that's one difference. But yeah, it, that, that's a little bit uh, glib, I suppose. Um, but there's there's some truth in it, which is that one of the you know one of the feature there's there's multiple parts to suspense. Yeah. One of them is just like I couldn't render this, so please render that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's uh, the the other aspect is it's like typed errors, right? Like it's, yes. it's not just we're going to catch any bad right. thing that happens and render something else in response. It's like, this is specifically for loading data. Yes. Um, if some data is not there, we're going to render this instead. Mm-hmm. And by giving everyone like this common paradigm, this common pattern mm-hmm. to follow, it allows us to orchestrate components written by many different authors across many different frameworks mm-hmm. allows us to orchestrate it using the same set of primitive APIs. Mm-hmm. So like, you know, when sometimes, um, I mean, this is very common nowadays, you use some, some uh, third-party library or, or some, like maybe the, some other team at your company built this, this component and you want to use it as well. Mm-hmm. And the API is often, like maybe it's a hook and it returns you value is loading and <laughs> yeah, 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 is yeah. error. And like, this is a common pattern, but it like shows up in a slightly different way and across a bunch of different things. Yes. And it's very, I think of it as like very ad hoc way to like yes. handle errors and handle loading yeah. states. Um, what's nice about suspense is hopefully we'll never have to see that again. Yeah. <laughs> we'll never have to see like every single framework rein- or every single library or component reinventing a special way to deal with loading because mm-hmm. no, you'll just use the suspense API. Yeah, um, that's what allows things like suspense list to exist. So suspense list to repeat from earlier mm-hmm. is a way to coordinate like a list of components that depend on data and like show the rows in order or out mm-hmm. of order or um, in different con- uh, with different settings. That works with anything that uses suspense. Yeah, we don't need a special like Apollo integration. We don't need a special right. React router integration. It's just as long as it knows how to integrate with suspense all of our suspense features are just automatically going to work. Um, so it allows us to, and, and it's it, it, uh, hopefully like even beyond just making it easier for programmers, mm-hmm. uh, it allows people who are new to program or maybe you're just like, like designers that are working on the design yeah. at that level. It gives them a language to start thinking about how that they want to design their loading screens and then uh, communicate with the developers, hey, there's a boundary here. There's a boundary mm-hmm. there. I want this to come in an order. I want this to come yeah. in maybe a little bit later. Uh, it just gets, starts to give people more uh, common both design language and and development language. Yeah. Now, so, so so you talked about this as a type, and I, I I'm glad that you did because I've I've been kind of referring to it as a type as well. But this 
this this object, I guess, that is only going to either throw an error, throw a venable, or like return a value. Mm-hmm. How do you how do we refer to that? Because I know that there was this like kind of like React cache kind of called that a resource. And yeah, uh, so I think this might have been one of our mistakes in role initially. The initial announcement is we pro- we over focused on those like details. Um, okay. I don't. You, you mentioned like throwing a venable or throwing a promise. Uh, I have myself stopped ever saying that because okay. I think it's a distraction. Like um, that. That's probably not. Uh, like we were just talking about this yesterday. Like we probably should just change that API. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. Okay. Uh, because that's it's not that's not super important. Sure. Um, we're we're still discovering like how we think the best ways to write a suspense integration are. Mm-hmm. Um, we've we've learned some things uh, in how we, uh, one of the things we've worked on over the last year that has informed our our um, development of these APIs is we've integrated suspense with Relay because mm-hmm. um, that's what we use to build um, Facebook. Um, and we have something that works really well now. Like uh, you can go out. Uh, I can't remember the URL, but if you go to like the Relay blog, we just announced an experimental release of Relay that that works cool. with all the APIs that we just released in uh, in React in the experimental mode. But we we learned a lot from that collaboration. We have some future ideas for ways we can make it even better. Okay. Uh, but th- those aren't. Th- that's part of the stuff is. That that right there is the reason why we're still calling this an experimental release. Sure, we still have a little bit more work to do in order to describe, uh, give proper advice to folks about how we think that they should integrate um, with their apps. And I'm I'm hoping we can work really closely with Next.js and Gatsby cool. and Apollo and all these other frameworks to um, to make sure we're on the same page. But I, I, I wouldn't want to give a specific name to those things that you're sure, sure. you're referring to. Yeah, I guess. Um, but but just to be to be clear for people who want to experiment with this, yeah. is that it's not just like. It's not just catching like any like anything that uh, is raised up in that like any promise or whatever that is unresolved in that component tree. It has to be wrapped like in the same way that you use like React.lazy to wrap the import of a component. Um, yeah, the point I was trying to make about the the uh, comparing it to like a typed exception exception is just that it gives uh, a common. It's like a. Uh, common way for all of a common pattern that right. all of these different frameworks can use so they don't have to know about each other they don't have to reinvent like their own special ad hoc system but if they all just opt into suspense yep then these uh, other higher level things that are provided by react will work use deferred value will work yeah. use transition is going to work um, the selective hydration is going to work suspense list is going to work mm-hmm. and you don't have to have a special binding layer between that sure. and all of the different frameworks that opt into suspense cool well I'm super excited to see um, look at that relay doc and see yeah, kind of yeah. how they're how they're doing it there mm-hmm. and see what you come up with any uh, I guess parting wisdom as people kind of explore these new exploratory features yeah I just wanted to um, like I think this is um, one thing that has made me a little bit wary of today, I suppose, is I just know that the question people had going into this conference um, and uh, even now is maybe like, still? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, what, is, what, is, what is today? Is today a big milestone or is today just another check-in from the React team? That, <laughs> that, you know, I, I watched a talk that Andrew gave like three years ago and it was about the same stuff. Why is he still talking about it? Why, why aren't I using it already? Uh, and so first of all, I sympathize, empathize, I'm horrified for you <laughs> at, at our, uh, you know, dragging our feet a little bit. But uh, that's kind of why I, I've been talking about um, you know, I've, I've been trying to really emphasize that, like, what we've been working on and what we've been progressing towards, to give people a sense for 
I want them to be confident that these APIs we're working on are, yeah. are not vaporware, mm-hmm. <laughs> essentially. Mm-hmm. So what is today? I think today is a really big milestone because today is the first time um, with this experimental release that we are announcing to the world that we are ready for you to start giving us feedback. Yeah. I think a few years ago we, we had two wrong ideas. One of the wrong ideas was oh, this is just going to take a month. They're like, oh, <laughs> yeah, we released React 16 like in two months we can release the concurrent part of it. We'll just turn on the flag. That was the first wrong idea for all the reasons I've just laid out. It's actually a lot of work to get the whole, um, just even all of Facebook to the place where we can start taking advantage of these features properly and even that, so that we know we have the right APIs. The second wrong idea we had was this notion that we could just eventually all the pieces will be in place and we can just have this big bang release and everything will be perfect. Um, because that's, that's generally how we like to do things. We like to yep. only release them once we are very confident. That's, I mean, I think that's mostly how what we did with hooks. We felt very good about when we released hooks, we were pretty sure that we had a, uh, we were releasing something good and that people mm-hmm. would be confident in. With concurrent mode, it's just so the concerns that we're dealing with, like the the problem space we're dealing with, is so cross cutting. Yeah. Um, it affects every single part of the React ecosystem, and we are really, really committed to making sure that that we're not leaving anyone behind, and that we can move everyone over into this new paradigm without having to rewrite a bunch of their components, and without having a bunch of frustration on day one when, oh no, you know, maybe. Maybe Apollo works. Maybe Apollo is integrated with Suspense, or maybe I'm using Relay, so that's integrated with Suspense. But ah, React Router's not. <laughs> yeah. oh, I can't use it because well, you know Gatsby doesn't support it yet, or like yeah. one of the N libraries that I'm using doesn't have integration. So what we've now realized is that we're in a place now where we think that the React primitives are a lot more solid. Like yeah. we're really uh, confident in suspense uh, transition, uh, the suspense list and use transition. We're really confident in that. We're getting a lot more confident in the scheduler, even though the API is inc- totally uh, nailed down. But what we, now what we need to do is we need to get all of our community partners to uh, onto the same page. We yeah. need to share what we've learned with them, and the only way really to do that is to share with them the same. Uh, builds of React that we've been using on Facebook. Mm-hmm. So that's what the experimental channel is all about. Um, I wrote on the blog uh, uh, earlier this week announcing this experimental channel in anticipation of today when we <laughs> when we say, hey, by the way, concurrent mode is in the experimental <laughs> channel. Um, and if you read that document, you can. Uh, it's, it's very much designed to give people like a clear expectations of what they can expect when they run one of these builds. Mm-hmm. So our advice is uh, the, ex- the experimental releases, they're published to NPM. They are, we're going to, planning to ship them maybe even daily. I'll probably just set up like a cron job to ship them daily. They're running the exact same experiments that, uh, experimental APIs that we're shipping to many production users Mm -hmm. at Facebook. So in that sense, they're, I'm not going to use the word stable because that has uh, loaded connotations with Semver, but fairly reliable. I mean, we can't break them entirely because we're using it to ship sure. to Facebook. So what, what I'll say is experimental. You can depend on them to not be completely borked <laughs> releases, but just know that, um, that we're not conforming to Semver on these releases. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're the versions that are just nonsense versions that are hashes of their contents. Uh-huh. And the reason we're doing that is just we're setting expectations like, look, React has a well-earned reputation for like stability. We, it's mm-hmm. been two years since we've had uh, a breaking change or a major release, and in the meantime, we've like added hooks, we've added air yeah, boundaries, yeah, yeah. we've added a bunch <laughs> of stuff. That we are committed to doing that going forward. We're going to continue to be super stable. 
but at the same time, we want to we, we don't want that to prevent us from sharing things ahead of time. Yes. So from now on, what I'd really like to do um, is instead of uh, for every single feature waiting for this Big Bang release and everything's perfect, um, start to share things with our community partners and people who are just interested in open source to try it out using this experimental channel. Uh, and we'll just set clear expectations about what's what's what you're capable of relying on f- and what, what might be a little bit more up in the air. Awesome. I love yeah. it. I love it. I love the notion too that, that, that there's a lot of, I guess, tension with this idea of like JavaScript fatigue, right? And like the worst kind is when you you think you have something and then it gets taken away. Yeah, and exactly. I really like this this focus on trying to really work out the boundaries of like what it what you want for concurrent mode and suspense and and figuring that out in Facebook and then kind of like once it feels about right, then exposing that. Um, that now in a way that's going to feel less like you know herky-jerky back and forth and more like hey like we know this we know this actually works now yeah um so i'm really excited about that uh, experimental channel yeah i mean i have been excited to start sharing this stuff for i mean really three years (laughs) i've been like listen i really want to see what apollo does with this i really want to see what next does with this and we don't withhold because we want to be stingy we withhold because we don't want to give people something that we're not that we can't be confident in yeah we don't want to give someone an api and then take it away the next day (laughs) Uh, we don't want to give people incomplete information or send them off on a wild goose chase and it turns out like they put a bunch of effort into something that just fundamentally broken so uh, that is that is what I think today represents is we're saying we are confident in these APIs yep. um, and we want you to help us, give, give us feedback and help us get uh, all of these projects on board so that when we release this to everyone and every, uh, you know, a person who's using React for the first time mm-hmm. can uh, install their, the most popular libraries <laughs> and be able to use it and not get super frustrated. Yep. So... Um, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to get get this in everyone's hands and, and, and start to get bug reports and, <laughs> and feedback uh, just like we've already been doing internally yeah. at Facebook. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Andrew. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks. It's been, it's been great. Have me back any, anytime you want. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Andrew, for diligently working on Concurrent React and bringing us into such a promising future. To learn more about Concurrent React, visit the official docs at reactjs.org slash concurrent. And while you're there, send Dan Abramov some love for his terrific work making the new concepts approachable. Thanks also to our sponsors, Clubhouse and G2i, for making this episode possible. Clubhouse has recently made all core features completely free for teams with up to 10 users. And right now, React podcast listeners get two months free on any plan. Get your project back on track at clubhouse.io slash react. Contractors, don't go it alone. Partner with the amazing people at G2i. Visit g2i.co today, apply, and find opportunities that are tailor-made for you. G2i, we vet, you get hired. It's that simple. This episode of React Podcast was edited by Mikhail Delport. It was produced by Mikhail Delport and Sarah Jackson. You can find React Podcast on Spec, a network to help designers and developers level up. Visit spec.fm to find other shows that will take you further in your career. Help us out by reviewing this show on iTunes. Your reviews help the show grow and help us ensure great guests and awesome content week to week. 
To join the discussion, visit reactpodcast.com slash chat or follow us on Twitter at React Podcast. I'm at Chantastic. To stay out of the discussion but get updates, visit reactpodcast.com slash news and sign up for emails. Thanks so much for giving us your attention. We'll be in your ears again next week. Thank you.